Good morning. Welcome to Trinity's Daily Podcast. My name is Chris McDaniel, the senior pastor here at the church, and so glad to be with you on this Wednesday. I'm going to read from Romans 4, actually, verses 13 through 17, and then we'll pray and then spend just a little bit of time trying to hear our brother Paul, the Lord, actually, through our brother Paul. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. For he is the father of all of us. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Bible. God, I thank you even in uh, the letter of Romans, God, we we see such beauty, such power in, in, a, in a letter that many think of as a heady letter or a, a technical letter. God, there's so much power in life here. I pray that we would see some of it today. Give us the grace to think deep and true thoughts about, about the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I chose this passage from our daily lectionary readings today because I think there's something here that maybe we haven't thought of uh, in times gone by when we've read this passage. And it refers to this idea of the promise. So Paul starts our section here saying, for the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham um, or to his descendants through the law, but through faith. So what is that promise? Many have simply said that Paul's addressing like a works versus faith thing in this passage, that he's stepping aside to teach like some form of systematic theology. And I just want to say I don't think that's what's going on. Uh, It's part of it, maybe, that there's some doctrine here. But I don't think Paul is saying, you know, I've been really itching to teach systematic theology and here's my chance. The promise that Paul is referring to should mean something to you. It actually goes all the way back to the beginning of our Bible in Genesis 12 and then Genesis 15, where God tells an old man, Abraham, a man who is way past his child-raising years, that he's going to give him a family that's as numerous as the stars in the heaven. And he actually says that family is going to include not only Jews, but it's going to include outsiders, Gentiles. That, That was not a promise that Abraham had an easy time believing. And it certainly wasn't a happily ever after promise because even as God is promising to do great things there back at the very beginning of our Bible, God also tells Abraham in advance that there are going to be really, really challenging seasons in front of him, seasons of slavery, seasons of exile. But God tells Abraham before these things happen that he's going to deliver him from darkness and give him a promised home. So he's actually inviting Abraham to trust him to do two impossible things. And I I think the Lord actually wants you and me to also trust him to do these two impossible things. Number one, God says, I will make you fruitful. Now, Abraham, when he heard that promise, could have looked at his life and probably did look at his life and say, I don't really see how fruit is going to come from this. And maybe you're sitting there now thinking the same thing about your life. Uh, Maybe you're looking at um, the state of the church and thinking, how could fruit come from this? There's so much sin. There's so much brokenness. There's so much barrenness, if you will. 
And yet God looked at Abraham, who was broken, vulnerable, and barren, and said, I'm going to make you fruitful. It is God's prerogative to speak life where there isn't. It is his job, actually, to say, I'm going to grow my family despite the family's limitations. I'm going to do something that you could not imagine. And I just want to say to you, I think that's one of the things the Lord is trying to say over us right now. I will make you fruitful. Y'all, God alone can make you, your life, our church, our city, the big wide world church can make us be the kinds of fruitful people that he wants us to be. We can't do it on our own, but it's his desire to do it. And the second thing God promises is not only will I make you fruitful, not only will I do something impossible, but I'm going to lead you through future trouble. And that's really important, I think, for us to consider right now that God knows the trouble that's come uh, into our life right now. He knows the trouble that's bound to come into your life in the future. And the Lord essentially said to Abraham before he got there, he said, when you run into trouble, I will lead you through. So I want you to think about these things just for a moment from Abraham's perspective. In Genesis, God told an old man with no family, no home, that he would one day see his family become so big that it would include people that he couldn't relate with, people that he thought were so far from him that they would never be connected, Gentile outsiders. Many of you listening fall into that category. I I certainly do as a Scotch-Irishman. He also said that family that you can't imagine is going to go through really hard stuff. But here's the kicker, y'all. The faith pit of this, uh, the faith bit of this passage, the reckon to him as righteousness through faith, is that Abraham heard those things, those, those impossible things, those promises, and he said yes. He followed. He believed before it all came to pass. And the challenge before you and before me is that we tend to want guarantees. We, we want to know that everything's going to work out with great assurance and then we'll say yes. Abraham had no guarantees. He didn't get happily ever after on the front end. Um, he said yes. He said yes to all the uncertainty. He said yes to the hope. He said yes to the long and windy road. And make no mistake about it, today we're all in one way or another on a long and windy road. We're all trying to figure out what it means to put one foot in front of another in a highly uncertain and volatile time. And I believe that when we say yes to God, um, he says yes to us. See, Abraham, he said yes, even if the yes was going to make him uncomfortable at times. And I've been thinking about my own journey right now, my own life, and I've been thinking about what it means to say yes to God, even if that yes makes me feel uncertain, unsure, even maybe a bit out of my depth. And the question in front of me is, I think, the same question in front of you, but comfortingly, it was the same question in front of Abraham. Will I say yes, even when I'm not sure how it's all going to look? And we're told that Abraham's faith was reckoned to him as righteousness, and I think we need to be careful here. Um, We shouldn't assume that righteousness simply means moral goodness uh, because we surely can't earn anything ultimately through our efforts. But I don't think we should assume that faith is a substitute for moral goodness. We can't forget that Christians are called to be righteous, that we're, we're called to say yes to God, which means aligning our lives. And there's a real tension there. 
I think N.T. Wright probably says it best when he says Abraham's faith was the sure sign that he was in partnership with God. So faith is not a qualification. I think faith and trust are the response of a heart that's aligned to God's purposes. It's as if trust flows out of a relationship. And what Abraham was saying was, yes, I trust you. I don't know that I'm going to like it, but I trust you. I don't know that I'm going to feel up to the task, but I trust you. He essentially demonstrates courage. And frankly, I think that's what God's asking for each and every one of us. He's asking us to be courageous. And to be courageous means you're afraid and you put one foot in front of another anyway. You move forward anyway. We don't say yes, bud, or yes, maybe, or yes, if you show me this. We just say yes. And I think that's where Paul ends it. When we say yes, I think life comes into dead places. Only God is able to give life to the dead and call no things, things that are nothing, into existence. And I think Paul, Paul's conclusion here is really what he's been saying all along, which is that God is able to create something entirely new when we say yes to him. So I would just ask you today, where... Do you feel God is inviting you to say yes? Not yes, but, or not yes, if you show me, or not yes, if it all works out, but simply say yes. I believe that it's in that place of saying yes, with all the uncertainty out in front of us, that God begins the work of creating something entirely new, something vibrantly new. I believe that's the promise. That's what's on offer for you, for me today. So I hope you'll sit with that question. Bless you. Amen.